Hello and welcome to Premier League on Tap, your FPL draft podcast. My name is Nate, better known as Draftopia, and joining me is Zach, aka Drafting for Upside. Zach, how you doing, man? Doing great. You know, here we are, long-awaited final game week for managers of both real and fictitious starting 11s uh, before this lengthy World Cup break. So uh, let's hope these teams don't pull any funny business with lineups. I don't think they will, but you could end up seeing some guys get yanked early. Um, like I said, wouldn't bench. I wouldn't expect managers to bench any of these top guys because they all need uh, wins themselves. So uh, let's let's hope for the best there. But uh, you know, how much are you looking forward to having a break, maybe from the wonderful world of EPL draft over the next few weeks? I'm actually. A little torn on this one. I'm a little excited about it, but I'll miss the game, that's for sure. Um, but I think it falls during a really good time to where it allows us to spend our holidays with our families, not really worry about uh, the draft game as much. So we're going to get through Thanksgiving here. Um, we're going to get through Christmas, and then the day after Christmas, we're right back to it for Boxing Day. So I think everything's going to fall into place pretty well. I'm really looking forward to the World Cup. And uh, I think we're going to see some pretty good games. So I'm excited to get through this week. Hopefully I can carry that win streak out a little bit longer. And everything doesn't go to shit when we come back after the World Cup. So just trying to ride it out on a high. How about you? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing if there's anything that maybe shifts over the next few weeks. Um, there's not too many injuries that I'm keeping my eye on over this break. Um, I think that might be a bit overplayed. But uh, definitely excited to kind of just enjoy, enjoy watching and not having to uh, keep an eye on the waiver wire at any given uh, moment to replace my guys who haven't all been starting recently. So, <laughs> um, yeah, what do you say we, we get into it? Let's do it. Let's start with the Saturday matchups here. We've got Man City, Brentford, City favored by 2.25 goals with an over-under of 3.5. Run us through this City side. I mean, you're basically starting everybody in it, game in, game out. Uh, Is there anybody that you're looking to start one over another, or maybe somebody that you're looking to avoid in this one? Yeah, I've got this one down as a pretty binary game in terms of starting sit decisions, which, you know, most City games are going to be um, that have been in the past on this podcast, so... Under start, I've got all. Um, the only caveat would be I'd say that defenders, uh, besides Concello, uh, like I, I usually warn people, aren't really going to do too well. They score pretty poorly this season, even though they always have a decent chance at a clean sheet, albeit maybe not the best team at keeping clean sheets at the end of the day. Uh, they are coming into this game with the highest clean sheet odds of 55%. So, you know, given that, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to uh, bench one of these guys if, if they're, say, your third defender. Uh, you're not going to roll out, you know, someone like Nathan Patterson maybe ahead of them in, in this next game here. But uh I think uh, it's pretty binary, like I said. You're going to start pretty much every guy on City, uh, and I don't think you're going to have many options other than that. The only nuance I'd put in there is that if Holland doesn't start, it obviously 
He's going to downgrade some of those attacking options, mm-hmm. uh, especially Grealish, I'd say. He's probably the most Holland dependent of the bunch. Yeah. Um, as we, we might get into a little bit later. Yeah. How about this Brentford side? I mean, I'm I'm a little torn on the Man City defenders. Uh, they haven't really been scoring too well, but they do have the highest clean sheet odds this weekend. So it's not like you can really stream any of them, but I think that if you roster a city defender that starts, you kind of have to play him in this matchup, knowing that you have that upside of the clean sheet potential. But as far as Brentford goes, uh, Tony's back for this game. Uh, he may be a little angry having not gotten, uh, to been a part of that England squad going to the World Cup got snubbed. So, do you see anybody on this side of the game that you're looking to start, or somebody that you're just looking to avoid altogether? Yeah, I, I think generally this is kind of a good chunk of this lineup. You're really going to want to avoid. You're obviously still starting Tony, um, but I think you want to bench Brian and Buemo. Uh, I think you want to avoid Ethan Pinnock. I mean, in the rest of that defense, but he's the signature name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could get away with starting Norgard if he ends up playing. He's coming off an Achilles injury, not ruptured, so should still have that springiness that um, we sometimes see people lose when they do rupture them. Um, I think he's he's a decent start as a box to box guy, but he's like a he's like a mid four five, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd only play him if I just knew I kind of needed that starter to fill in. But like we've mentioned before, City keeps so much possession, it reduces the amount of opportunity for for people on the opposition side. So just be aware of that. Uh, other than, than that, I really would probably avoid anyone else on Brentford. Mm-hmm. Right, how do you feel about, uh, I know you mentioned it earlier, um, Jack Grealish. Are you holding him? Are you looking to trade him out during the World Cup? Uh, are you looking to bring him in during the World Cup? Where are you at with him right now? Yeah, I'm in the unique position of uh, already owning him in both my leagues, so bring him in is not currently an option. <laughs> and I try to avoid the confirmation bias of owning a guy and talking myself into him being good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do feel like while Grealish is not going to probably live up to exactly draft day value, especially if you took him in the second round, I do think he's a buy low, uh, depending on the manager. I wouldn't give up a lot to get him as mm-hmm. buy low, but uh, I do think there's better better stats, better returns coming from him. Uh, I actually posted this on Twitter. In eight games played, uh, six starts, he's fourth overall in shot creating actions per 90 and 11th in goal creating actions per 90. And interestingly enough, the splits that he has uh, with and without Holland, he's got six games with Holland where he's averaging 11.8 points per 90, and two games without him where he's got 8.5. So he's clearly going to be dependent on having some sort of end product or end threat, regardless mm-hmm. of if he's getting the assists or not. He's benefiting from the extra attention that Holland is getting and getting a little bit more freedom. He's able to make the defense shift a little bit more, um, and he's definitely getting more opportunities. So I'd keep that in mind because obviously Holland's probably going to come back. Um, you know, help, very healthy from the World Cup since he's not playing. Um, and in turn, Grealish should obviously have him up top to play with. 
assuming Grealish starts. I expect better things in the future, uh, but I understand he is not going to be what he was at Villa. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's one of those players that is kind of on people's minds, especially if you own him, where you're going to be watching the World Cup. And if he gets starts, if he gets games time, uh, if he plays well, then his stock's going to rise going into the second half of this season. So uh, mm-hmm. just something to keep a hold on or keep an eye on. I'm, I own him in one league. I'm probably holding on to him for now. But I will propose a question to you later in the show. Um, we're going to come back to this topic at some point because I do want to get your thoughts on a certain trade option. Uh, but we'll wait for later on that one. Let's jump into Bournemouth, Everton. This one is a pick em. There is no favorite in this matchup. Uh, it's got an over-under of 2.25. This Bournemouth side is a very strange animal. Uh, they don't score well. They concede a lot of goals but they're still managing to get results. And it's it's weird where they're at in the table. Um, I would not have expected this as of right now. I mean, they've fallen a bit from where they were, but they're still in a decent position just outside of that relegation battle. Um, and they are currently one point behind Everton. So this is kind of a dogfight right before uh, this World Cup break. But as far as this Bournemouth side goes, has anyone impressed you as of late? I know they've been playing a little bit better. Um, they're actually starting to score some goals. Um, are there any players that you're looking to start in this matchup uh, or possible streaming targets? Yeah, uh, I think for Bournemouth, they've really been outperforming their XGXA. I actually put down that this matchup, we really have two teams outperforming expectation. We've got Bournemouth, who are the third highest outperformer of XGXA per 90 at 0.74 um number one and number two are man city on arsenal with 1.83 and uh, 0.93 um that is goals and slash assists over expectation per 90 uh and then Leicester right below them at 0.49 so we'd expect that to regress to the mean uh given it's bournemouth and they are not on the outlier level that man city and arsenal can be uh it's pretty unlikely that this continues and then we've got Everton also as the highest outperformer of XG plus XA per 90 against at 1.05. For reference, the next highest is Chelsea at 0.7 and Newcastle at 0.32. So it's really unlikely that either of those two things continue, and we will see which one of the two does. Mm-hmm. Not both, maybe. I don't know how that would work. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think... I think I think they could both keep rolling in a, in a similar light for a little bit, but I, I actually think I lean toward Bournemouth to to break first. So, uh, with that being said, I I still like Tavernier to kind of you know r- you know ride in the flames with him as a mid three, Slanke as a forward two, Billing as mid four. I know Billing's been crazy efficient with his shot production, uh, turning into goals. I believe he's taken like something like four or five shots and converted all but one into a goal. So. Or maybe that's the ones on target. Regardless, mm-hmm. uh, I don't expect that to continue, but he should still stay fairly involved in that attack. And then I, I don't, uh, I don't hate Zamora as like a defender three stream, just because I know DCL is questionable in this game. Uh, not that he's been super potent or anything, but uh, Everton have had some struggles as of recently scoring, so we could see that continue. Yeah, I, it's a weird thing because this Bournemouth side it has 
given up the most goals in the league, but Everton have only scored 11. So it's a bad defense versus a bad offense. At least you get your bad defense in a home matchup. Um, So, yeah, I'm just not sold on this Everton side's attack to the point where I think this might be a 0-0 draw. Like, it could, it has the potential to be. Um, like you said, we've seen Everton outperforming their XG and XA per 90 against. So, I mean, it, they're giving up good scoring opportunities. But, I mean, Pickford's been playing really well. Uh, and their defense, as a collective, has been decent. So, I think either side defenders are streaming options this week for sure um it's just trying to find that person who has a little bit more upside going into it um especially for us because i know that's something we like to look at more than not uh we're not going to just take the five or six points we want somebody that has the potential to get a clean sheet or a goal contribution so yeah i don't know i i just don't feel overly enthusiastic about either of these sides and I just I don't have much to add to this one. Yeah, I think that it's just kind of a big sigh. Like, yeah, I I think Patterson is a a pretty decent streamer on Everton's side, um, but he's like just you know barely above Pulse level on ghost points mm-hmm. with a decent chance of a clean sheet. Uh, since Bournemouth are pretty. I mean, like I said, I feel like they've been pretty lucky with the amount of goals they've been putting away for the amount of threat they really posed. Solanke is their highest XG plus XA per 90 guy at .28, which is pretty atrocious. I think that's like 80th amongst everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. And then McNeil, I think you can start because Bournemouth's defense is, is nothing to call home about, and he's been getting starts recently he actually started over gordon i believe so uh, i'd also stick with him as like a mid four also dcl might not play this week so you could see like gordon slide a striker and him at winger yeah uh yeah but that's that's about it for me on everton yeah i mean what i believe to be a very low scoring affair could probably end up three three who the hell knows <laughs> it's usually how it rolls uh, let's jump over to Liverpool Southampton. Uh, we have got Liverpool favored here by 1.75 goals with an over under of 3.5. Liverpool come in with the second highest clean sheet odds at 46%. And I mean, there are some players who are starting to step up in this Liverpool team and they're starting to get their groove back a little bit. They had a good win against Spurs last time out. Um, I know they may just sweat there in the second half for a little bit, but, uh, ultimately they looked regular. I mean, relatively comfortable. Uh, Kanate came in, did a decent job. So he's definitely on the level of starter in this matchup, especially taking on a Southampton side who don't have a manager or is Hasanul managing this game? Did I see that? He's going to manage this one and then he's done or is he done now? That's something I did not hear. I just assumed he was done. That's what I thought, too. I don't know. Maybe I'm making stuff up, but uh, don't quote me on that one. But, I mean, possible new manager bounce, but Liverpool at home have been historically good. 
Um, I don't see much changing in this one. Is there anybody in this Liverpool side that you're looking to stream, start, anybody you're looking to avoid? Uh, I I like Harvey Elliott this week a lot. as like a mid-three. Uh, I think he's been coming into form, like you mentioned before, and uh, really looks like one of the most creative midfielders on the field for Liverpool. Uh, I think he's only going to improve, and I've actually seen him on one of my waiver wires, uh, which I will be targeting. And uh, I mean, he's not going to be playing in the World Cup, so I would definitely keep an eye on him on waivers in case someone, especially if someone gets hurt in that Liverpool midfield. I mean, he's already locked in pretty much, I'd say, but he could become even more locked in um, himself. And then Konate, <laughs> I like him as like a defender too this week. He looked like Liverpool's best defender against Tottenham last weekend. Uh, he even almost stopped Terry Kane's goal himself. I think it went in off his foot, kind of. Um, he was he was rock solid in there with clearances and aerials. Uh, so I think he continues that, and I don't see him losing that job with, uh, you know, health withstanding. Mm-hmm. He's not always the uh, healthiest guy out there. He's, he's a big fella, so <laughs> it's definitely possible. Um, but... Let's hope he, he stays healthy, and if he's still on your waiver wire, definitely go grab him. He's he's a fantastic player. I'd avoid Fabinho, though, on that team. He I know he ghosted okay last week, but I don't see that continuing. He has not been great, and probably a big part of the reason that Liverpool is not doing uh, what people are expecting of them. Mm-hmm. On the Southampton, though, I, I'm starting JWP. I know we've talked about um, multiple times Lavia, I believe. Uh, coming back into the fold and allowing JWP to get forward a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, he should be back this week, so I would fire JWP up as mid-3-4. Liverpool, the, the days of them really outpossessing the other team and um, kind of controlling the game, I think, are probably done. Uh, they, I believe, are actually the highest... They have the highest amount of long balls, I think, amongst the league, um, which kind of indicates that their strategy has maybe shifted um, from kind of out-possessing the other team to some more counter-attacking play and maybe using Darwin to his strengths. Um, so I think I think that kind of game script benefits JWP, and they were really unlucky to not get anything out of that Newcastle game. I think that's going to be ignored by most people. Uh, they actually, in terms of XG, were, were better than Newcastle with 1.74 compared to Newcastle's uh, 0.86. Uh, in that 4-1 loss so it's definitely a tough one for for them to soak it could have gone a number of different directions but 4-1 was not one that the xg would have predicted Uh, and then i'd also start arebo as like a mid four here because i think liverpool definitely are susceptible tottenham we're getting through they got plenty of shots um i think Mm -hmm. parasite could have had one or two in that game yeah they hit the post quite a bit yeah they're definitely susceptible, and I wouldn't say is going to get a goal, but he definitely likes shooting, so <laughs> he should get a couple of shots on target. Um, I would still avoid the defenders, though, even though I know some of them have scored okay, uh, namely Perot and Bella Kochap and Salisu, actually, more so than Bella Kochap, has scored pretty well. I think they're guys you probably want to own and maybe hold over the break in the hope that the new appointment, I believe... Uh, is he confirmed? 
for the manager from Luton? I don't know if it was confirmed or if it was just like a he's basically their next target or like their main guy. I don't know if he has actually signed on with them yet. I saw um, something in uh, BBC UK that Nathan Jones um, was appointed oh. today. Uh, well, I, I, don't, I don't have anything. Does, they don't have the blue check mark on this account. That's <laughs> I don't know uh, what to trust. Sure referencing, yeah, it looks it looks legit to me. So uh, we'll we'll lean toward that being true. Uh, regardless, the new manager effect is real. So you know, anything yeah. could happen. Southampton could be frustrating for Liverpool. We shall see. Um, and also, Lavia back, like I said. So we could see the Southampton team maybe have a slight boost. Yeah, I'm actually very interested in this matchup to see how Southampton play with the new manager. Um, I know he hasn't had time to really implement anything, but you do get that boost when it's a manager shift because people are trying to play and impress so that they get more playing time. And uh, this is one of those games where if Southampton do come out and they do play well, you're going to want to be very quick on the waiver wire uh, to try and pick these guys up because they are very young. They have uh, a bright future ahead of them as long as they get the right person in. And most of them outside of Ward Prowse and Che Adams are going to be available in your league. So, I mean, they're pretty much an untapped mine at this point. Um, like you mentioned, Levia is back, so we should see, hopefully, depending on the type of formation they run out, Ward-Prowse should get moved up further into the um, attacking sense, maybe starts to play and score like we've seen in the past. And this is actually where we're going to come back to the Grealish question, is I'm actually targeting James Ward-Prowse as a player that I want to bring back into my team, knowing that Levia is back and they do have a new manager. Would you trade out Graylish to bring in James Ward Prowse? Um, it's close. I think I would, yeah. I think I it's, would too. It depends what your lineup looks like. If you're looking for upside versus consistency, kind of, kind of deal. Like if you have some guys like. Um, Boy, I don't know. Like a, like a Joe Ellington's kind of got a good floor on him. Or, you know, if you got some of those guys that are that are your 10 to 12 points a week guys mm-hmm. and you want some upside or you want a little bit higher war, I mean, I know Grealish lacks a little bit of what he had before when he was at Villa, but I think there's potential for more in the future. Whereas JWP... I think we see him turn back into that consistent 12-point-a-week kind of player. Um, I don't think the manager's just going to come in and fix everything, but I actually think that team has more to work with than people might think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think we've seen the worst of Ward-Prowse so far this season outside of maybe like two performances as far as Fantrax scoring goes. But... I mean, we know what he's capable of and the performances that he can put in. Plus, he's their main set piece taker. He's going to play almost every game. So, I mean, I would lean 
quite heavily into the Ward Prowse over Grealish decision. Yeah, it's tough for me just because Grealish still, like, in the grand scheme of things, has only played, like, eight games. Um, and, I mean, for me, the extra consideration is I have Holland, so I like to have the stack. Personally, mm-hmm. I think that really gives your team some, some good upside on a week-to-week basis. But one-for-one uh, one in a vacuum, I would prefer James Ward-Prowse over Grealish. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. We've got Nottingham Forest, Crystal Palace. Palace favored by 0.25 goals and an over-under of 2.25. Run us through this Forest side. Has anybody jumped out at you recently? Uh, no, not really, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) That was exactly why I gave it to you, because I can't think of anyone either. Although, I mean, you did tout Serge Aurier, like, what, last week, the week prior, and it's not that he played poorly. I mean, he, what, ghosted eight points, but they ended up giving up two goals. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah, he ghosted like I expected, and I think I said they're not going to ship more than two goals, and they shipped two goals. So, unfortunately, (laughs) it was the worst-case scenario, but you got four points, and, like, I mean, out of a defender three-star, which I believe is what I was quoting him as, it. You could, that that's kind of the floor you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, eight goes points. We take that as as a floor all day, every day of the week. Um, and I think I also shouted out Morgan Gibbs White last week to uh, round back into form a little bit. I didn't quite expect the what twenty seven point performance that he gave people, but yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, if if you have him, that was the time to start him uh, against Brentford against a weak Brentford side. Um, at that time so I think you probably start him again this week but I wouldn't expect as much as I was last week I'd put him in as like a mid four this week yeah it's especially telling that Palace is favored when they're the away side Um, I just I mean yeah we saw a I mean a fantastic forest display in the Carabao Cup with their two win over Spurs or two no win over Spurs but I I don't know. I think that's just a blip in the radar. I don't really think it's anything sustainable. I wouldn't go out of my way to pick these guys up or like trade them in. I would be okay streaming Orier, especially because I have Diego Delo in two leagues and he's suspended. This is a game that's in the earlier slate. I, I mean, I'm not bothered by throwing Orier out there. Maybe he gets a uh, assist or something maybe they can keep a clean sheet at home because they desperately need points before the world cup starts so it's not a bad shout i just i don't really have a whole lot of faith in this forest team to score goals or stop goals from going in especially with uh, uh recent performances i mean they've been playing okay but it's been two games on the bounce I just have to see more. Yeah, I'd say they're definitely on a on a slight bounce, but I wouldn't mistake that for you know a team you should be threatened by. So start all your palace forwards. Um, I wouldn't start the wingbacks from them. They don't really get forward much. They sit pretty much all the time. And uh, one of my deep sleepers this week is Milivojevic, who. 
I'd prefer if he started next to Decore, so Decore could kind of, um, you know, play some more of the defense and allow him some freedom to get forward. Mm-hmm. Um, he still seems to have a little bit left in the tank, and I think he had a pretty decent game um, recently. So we'll see. He's like he's like one percent owned, you know. So I've got him as like a mid four, maybe mid five, uh, a little bit above lineup filler for me. Yeah, uh, and I'd hope he goes 90 minutes if he plays he has a good chance and like i said you know good matchup here so would he you know. would he be on pens over zaha uh no i doubt it i mean he was the captain in their last i don't know if it was a cup game or their real match but he's i don't think he's quite washed um he's just kind of had a big hiatus and his his you know the biggest problem with him was people just thought he was completely out of Vieira's plans, which it looks like he might be snaking his way back in there. It's between him and Schlupp to get that other center mid spot since it definitely did not work having Eze and Elise in that central midfield. Yeah. Um, I think he's still trying to fine-tune that a little bit. They've looked decent. I don't think they've hit full stride, but they've gotten through the easier part of their schedule now after their ridiculous start to the season and how tough that fixture list was uh got extremely lucky to get the last minute goal against west ham that massive deflection um but yeah i think this is definitely a team that has upside potential uh we have seen how they can play in the past they're still exciting i enjoy watching them play um but i've pretty much all but given up on their defensive assets as a whole. I'm probably shopping Anderson during the World Cup um, just to see what type of trade value I can get for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, their forwards, I'm more than okay with starting. Um, if Milivojevic starts, sure, go for it. Yeah. So, uh, what do you say move on to Spurs versus Leeds? Uh, do we have to? I don't even want to talk about this Spurs team anymore. <laughs> it's just gotten pathetic almost. But let's do it. Spurs hosting Leeds. Spurs favored by a goal with an over-under of three. So this looks like it could be a decently high-scoring affair, uh, which I really hope the Tottenham can shore up their defense. But this Leeds team... I mean, they play hard. I mean, whether it comes off or not, they are energetic. They will run you off the pitch. But Conte's sides, I mean, they know fitness. So Spurs team, we've got Sun out injured. Looks like he'll be back in time for the World Cup. He may have to miss their first group stage game, but... Uh, I think their manager said that he'll be good to go in their second game of the World Cup. Romero's out injured. I believe he will be okay for the World Cup as well. So not long-term injuries, but more so don't really want to risk these guys. Don't want to rush them back just for this game here. Um, We could see one of Richarlison and Kulisevsi start. Uh, I doubt we see both start. I would prefer if Tottenham went back to their 3-4-3 formation, but I 
could see a world where they start in a 3-5-2 and bring in Richarlison and Kulisevsky in the second half. But, I mean, until otherwise, I think you're starting uh, Rodrigo Bentoncourt every game week. He has played very well. He is basically the engine in that midfield that makes that team tick. Um, he has started to ghost relatively well. He's, I mean, around, I think, between like seven and nine points. He's got a little bit of upside. We'll get an assist or a goal from time to time. I don't think there's many streamers available in this matchup. If Lucas Mora gets a start, I'd be okay streaming him. I mean, Leeds play well. They have very exciting games, but they give up quite a few goals. So I'm okay starting anybody in that attack that starts, but I'm probably avoiding the defenders in this matchup for both sides. Yeah, and the defenders don't typically score all that well from Spurs. Mm-hmm. The center backs, that is. The wing backs, I, I'm definitely starting. Like, it's Doherty or Emerson or Sessegnon. Any of them, fire them up. Uh, but the center backs definitely a little bit more hesitant. I think Ben Davies would probably be a decision for me. Uh, where, you know, if you have him and your other matchups aren't so great, it's probably okay. But like you said, this should be this game should entail quite a bit of running from both sides. So uh, we could see Spurs definitely get caught out and, and chip one goal, and there goes your clean sheet upside. So mm-hmm. I don't think they were too high in terms of clean sheet odds. They might have been like in the top eight, but uh, I did not include them this week as it wasn't significantly above thirty percent, which is you know I'm usually I'm usually looking for forty percent or higher to be relevant. Um, for yeah. clean sheet consideration. Yeah. How about this lead side? Who on this side are you looking to start? Are there streamers available for these guys? Would you start any of the defenders on the lead side? No, I wouldn't touch them. Uh, Cooper should still stay owned. Uh, be patient with him. Uh, just don't play him this week if you can afford it. I mean, you could drop him. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, but mm-hmm. I, I'd try and hold on to him for a little bit. Christensen, you could drop. He's in a bad matchup this week. I'm comfortable streaming Somerville as a mid-four. We have still what I'd say is a limited sample size kind of hero of last week, uh, but still approached with some hesitancy. Obviously, he should be owned in most leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to see – you want to own young talent um, when they're performing. Just don't overrate him. Um I don't think it's wise to start pushing him into that midfield two, three category when we've had like what two weeks of him doing anything for us. So just, uh, yeah, just, just heed with some caution, heed with some caution. And I'd also fire up Aronson as like a mid four who's been pretty involved in most of Leeds' attacks. And Rodrigo, who seems to be the preferred number nine. Although I know Bamford had some small hip injury, which he suffered, I think, on a penalty or something. Sounds like an excuse. Um, oh, God. So, <laughs> uh, it sounds like a pity injury to me, but yeah, uh, he definitely he definitely got off the hook. I'd still own him. Don't toss him to the waiver wire. I've seen that in a couple of places. But it looks like it's Rodrigo for the time being. So, yeah, forward two for him. Avoid the defenders and uh start those fellas yeah is uh is bamford now part of your glass bones and paper skin list uh no 
I don't think so. Uh, I yet. think he's had the same injury, not handled it well, tried to return too quickly. Uh, but he is darn close to being on it. So what are your thoughts on Wilfred Nanto? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah. Uh, kind of like Gnocchi, you know, but uh, gotcha. Gnoto. So uh, I would keep an eye on him potential stash if you have the room but i feel like there's probably better uses for that slot this game week i mm-hmm. if i were gonna pick him up i'd try and wait till after the game week and i'd hope to see like a start with maybe seven to seven to ten ghost points and pray mm-hmm. he doesn't score because uh, then someone else will obviously want him <laughs> But I just even if he started, I don't think I could do it personally. Yeah, there's just not enough data there. I mean, he's young, I mean, he's it's exciting. Like, kind of like the same as Somerville. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just it feels like we're grasping it. We're grasping at nothing here, um, I, and it's not a good matchup either this time around. So you can't even really bank on that. Yeah, so, I would like, say the one the start, but not him. The one differentiating like factor in that Somerville versus Nanto talk is Nanto's a forward and the forward landscape is terrible. So I mean, if he does get the start, I mean I wouldn't mind it if you absolutely needed to fill a roster spot, especially in a going up against the Spurs team that has literally conceded first in the last like seven game weeks. I'm pretty sure they've in the last like four or five games they've been down two nothing before they started playing so i mean there's goals there for leads so i'm not opposed to it yeah the one thing i'll say to him before we move on because we're probably beating him like a dead horse right now but (laughs) uh marsh is the type of manager it seems like who'll kind of ride uh any hot hand that he's gonna get Mm -hmm. so whereas other coaches in the premier league seem to be a little bit less fluid and they kind of want to you know they want their players to have some sort of a reputation before starting they'll give them some sub appearances and they have to do well in those few appearances before they can even think about getting a start it looks like marsh is comfortable with just rolling guys out there like somerville um, as soon as they start playing well so if he does play well this game, there's definitely the opportunity that he continues to get starts. Like, I don't think he has a problem tossing Harrison to the side if he's out of form and Nota's turns, you know, into some type of a reliable player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for time's sake, we'll leave it at that. We'll move on here to West Ham, Leicester. West Ham favored by half a goal with an over-under of 2.5. Uh, West Ham coming into this one... I mean, this team just does not look very good this season. Uh, Currently in 15th place, I mean, they've scored 12 goals in 14 games. Uh, I mean, I guess the one good thing is that they've only given up 15 goals in those 14 games. But the the last-minute loss to Crystal Palace last week is has, has to be a dagger because that one hurts. I mean, Antonio just looks so defeated when he raced down the pitch. And then at the last minute, when it looked like they had four or five guys in the box, just clipped this worthless pass right to the goalie. 
Like, wh- what was that? And then the Palace come back down and score off that and win the game. is is just insane to see. But, uh, I mean, going up against this Leicester team, who I think our stats and data from this side are going to be extremely skewed because of how terribly they started the season, this team looks relatively good over the last four or five game weeks. Going into this, are you looking to start anybody from this West Ham side? Are there any streamers available? Obviously, you're going to play Cresswell. He's probably the best asset on this West Ham side right now. But the attack, the forwards and midfielders just aren't doing anything. Are you, are you still going to ride him out in this one? Yeah, I feel like when I've watched West Ham, Ben Rama kind of passes the eye test. I know it's been a, a limited sample size so far, but if he starts, I would definitely roll him out there. Um, probably more along the lines of like a mid three, mid three, I'd say is, is firmly where he's placed in at. And then Skamaka, I think is a forward too, just because, uh, the, the landscape of the forward that we, we always harp on, he's a good start. And then we've got Paqueta back. So I, I have a little bit more faith in those West Ham forwards to produce, even if it were Antonio, I be a little less enthusiastic about that um so yeah i think i think this west ham team you know really depends on paqueta to create and is it's gonna continue to be that way since bowen has not exactly been in form uh, himself i believe Mm. he didn't even make the england squad so he may be looking to prove southgate wrong here but it could be a little too late here so I, I'm not particularly enthralled by any West Ham option. Like you said, you're starting Crestwell. He's been one of the best ones, but I'm not streaming anybody on that team. In this matchup against Leicester, who uh, unfortunately just lost James Justin, but has had a pretty rock-solid defense recently. I'm sure they're probably outperforming um, maybe their expectations defensively, but you'd expect that to continue hopefully, um, and, and just keep rolling along. Unfortunately, they're going to have Luke Thomas sliding in at left back, who isn't the most reliable defensively. He's kind of a smaller guy who probably operates more as a left wing back. Mm-hmm. Wonderful C, maybe them go to a five back. But uh, he could be like a defender four here since he does get forward a decent amount. He just won't present much upside defensively and would reduce their overall chances of a clean sheet. Yeah, I was curious to see, um, just pulling up uh, Lester's recent results, curious to see how their defense has been playing because we know it's been better, but I did not know it has been this good. Uh, Since they gave up six goals to Tottenham in a 6-2 game, they have had seven matches. In those seven matches, they have given up just three goals. Two to Bournemouth and one to City. They have kept a clean sheet in one, two, three, four, five. Five of their last seven games. But now with the James Justin injury, do you see that continuing? Not necessarily, and I'm sure there's some regression inbound um, because several of those clean sheets the team was expected to score at least a goal or more. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in Wolves' case, they were actually expected to score 2.12 goals. Yeah. Um, so, uh, granted, they did really well against City. City scored one goal with about one goal expected. So there's, you know, there's some performances in there. Sure, they deserved what they've gotten, I think. But without James Justin, who I think was really improving as a player coming back from the ACL injury that he sustained, I think it was back in uh, February of, um, I want to say 2021, he got that. Uh, It takes usually a year for players to really fully recover from those. So unfortunately, he sustains probably an even worse injury with the Achilles. Uh, which, you know, feel bad for him. Hope he hope he gets better. Uh, I think he also is recovering from the same injury as Ricardo Pereira. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I do expect a drop defensively from Leicester here. So, the clean sheets that we've been getting from players like Valface and Castagna that have made them so viable recently, I definitely expect them to take a hit. Mm-hmm. I think Feist is definitely still an option in this game, especially because of the aerial ability. Um, but I'm probably fading the rest of that back line just because with the data, there is probably some regression inbound. And then the James Justin injury just, just doesn't help the cause. Well, Castagna's um, top nine defender right now. so He has been playing well, and, but it's not for his defensive ability, that's for sure. It's yeah, He gets it's forward. It's the clean sheets propping him up a little bit. Yeah. And he's the only one of those back four that really gets forward. Uh, Justin hasn't been recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's move on. I guess we have to move on to this one. But Mm -hmm. I would assume this is probably going to be one of our more clear-cut games of the game week. But we've got Newcastle versus Chelsea. We've got Newcastle favored by .25 goals and an over-under of 2.5. Newcastle favored by 0.25 seems kind of ridiculous. I mean, I would assume they're going to win this match, but what the hell do I know? Um, This Chelsea team just does not look good. Uh, I I own Aubameyang, and I want nothing to do with any of their attacking assets. The only reason I still own him is because I'm trying to use him in a package deal to trade out players, but no one is biting, <laughs> which I, I guess I can't be mad at because I probably wouldn't yeah, take I him onto my team either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as far as this Newcastle team goes, I mean, you're starting everyone that starts, right? Uh, yes, for the most part. Uh, I'm not starting Jacob Murphy. I, he's just unlikely to go many minutes if he starts, and there's just not a lot, not a lot there. Um, I feel like that attack is maybe a bit inflated by uh, some of their you know overperformances uh, of XG. Like I mentioned earlier with the Southampton game, Southampton were projected to score like almost double the goals that Newcastle were projected to score mm-hmm. in their match. So <laughs> believe it or not, I, I really just think that they're kind of getting propped up by Almiron and Gimarish crazy shot efficiency. They're sitting at 0. 0.40 and 0. 0.38 respectively goals per shot, which is higher than Holland. Jesus. Who we would say is definitely a generational talent. Uh, he's posting 
Um, say what you want about him taking more shots. He's pretty damn efficient. He gets in really good spots. So mm-hmm. uh, I would not expect that to continue. Uh, the only others above Holland right now are Crescencio Somerville at point three eight and Kiefer Moore at point three three, who also we would expect to go down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could even see Holland go down himself. Like these, some of these numbers just aren't sustainable. I think Almirón and sure. Um, flying a little bit close to the sun, if not burning right now. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about Amaron as a trade-out candidate last week, who I, I still think he is, but I mm-hmm. don't think he returns the value you're going to be hoping for, so you end up keeping him. Uh, but I'm not actually as worried about this Newcastle side as some other people might be for this reason. I just think it's going to regress. Chelsea are an above-average defensive team, but at the same time, I'm really benching i think every chelsea asset that i have yeah i would agree um even mount even mount um yeah i mean haven't been any outfielders above eight points per game in the past five game weeks yeah chelsea and you're going up against one of the best defensive sides in the league in newcastle yeah so that doesn't bode well for you so yeah i i mean there really isn't that much uh, that goes into this matchup. You just you bench your Chelsea assets. We don't really need to dig too much into that. They just until they start scoring well, I'm not really touching them. I'm trying to trade them out, but no one's gonna fucking take them. It seemed really hard to get rid of Sterling or Aubameyang. Aubameyang is in droppable territory. Sterling, based on the name value, I'm keeping him if I have him. And trying to trade him out, I would even look to trade him out for, I don't know, maybe some type of third, fourth, fifth rounder. But as far as players on this Chelsea side that are going to be going to the World Cup, I would hold anybody on my team that is going to a World Cup if you're looking to drop them. Um but a big name I'm looking at is Pulisic because you know he's going to feature every game for the U.S. He is the focal point. Um, I expect him to have a decent World Cup. I don't know how far this U.S. team can go. I'm hoping they can get out of the group. Um, the way. <laughs> that would surprise me. But... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just one of the players on this Chelsea side that I'm keeping an eye on. If he looks decent in the world cup, I think Graham Potter is going to get him a chance eventually. So I'd look to scoop him up off waivers. But yeah, as far as this I, game I goes, like yeah. that shout. they got to play to impress. So if yeah. you're going to pick up a guy that's in the world cup, don't pick up one of the fringe guys that might start or pick up the guys you know are going to play every mm-hmm. single game maybe on some of the lesser known teams exactly let's move on here we've got wolves featuring arsenal arsenal's favored by a goal here uh, with an over under of 2.75 how's this game gonna go for wolves yeah so i'm gonna propose that we just say adama's a like a or two three start and we just don't even talk about them at all i'm all about it 
I know Neves has scored in the last two games, but if you look at his stats alongside, like, he's very goal-dependent, and I'm I'm tired of it. (laughs) I roster him, and every time I bench him, he scores. And every time I start him, he scores five points. I don't like it. I want him out, but I just can't seem to trade him. That's all I have to say about this Wolves team. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Arsenal goes, pretty much everybody is already owned. Um, I think you're starting everybody. Uh, you might be able to pick up one of their defenders, um, maybe White, maybe Tamiyasu, depending on who starts. Um, they do have the third highest clean sheet odds at 43%. So, yeah, I you start everybody on Arsenal. They're flying. They're going to look to go into the World Cup, sit in top of the table, uh, and I think they get it done. So do you have any anything else to drive this Arsenal point home? Just a bit lost. The odds seem to be crediting Wolves much more than us or the public would be just wondering if there's something we might be missing that uh, the odds makers aren't. I mean, they've got Arsenal favored by a goal, and the over-unders almost three. I, I would expect Arsenal minus one and a half here. Really? You think they're going to win by more than two goals? Like, I, I mean, I think they will, but... Yeah. I don't know. I think I could see Wolves trying to get anything out of this game where they just absolutely set up shop and try to hoof the ball deep to Adama. It's like, hey, just go do something. Yeah, it's possible. I'm Maybe I'm just speaking for the public here, and I have <laughs> not seen it, but uh, yeah, I don't want to waste any more breath on Wolves. Yeah, me either. I think this one's easy. Let's move on to the Sunday games here. We've got Brighton, Aston Villa. Brighton favored by half a goal with an over-under of 2.5. Brighton starting to catch their feet under Deserby here now. Um, I think they're really setting into what we can expect of them moving forward. They like to keep possession of the ball. Uh, They create a ton of chances. And they've got some interesting and fun pieces on that team. Uh, I know we're all big fans of Estupinan. Everyone's talking about Matoma right now. Uh, Wait. Is this right? He's only 34% owned? When I checked, yeah. He was only 34% owned. Must be some sort of glitch. Yeah, I don't think Fantrax has caught up to that one yet. Yeah. I mean, judging by Twitter, he's on 110% of teams. I was going to say. It, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like he's universally owned and <laughs> that everyone's best friends with him since um since high school so i yeah man yeah he's he's fire him up as a mid three but that would put him in streamer territory i put him in start territory at first but yeah uh i checked the ownership and i'm like oh there are some idiots who don't own him yet interesting (laughs) um i would not i know we could debate this one so you think you you would start lalana or stream lalana that is i think i would uh just Going off the game he just had, I mean, you know he's not going to play the entire game. I think he does suit this side relatively well. And with a goal and an assist in his last outing, I think it'll be interesting to see if Welbeck is fully fit. Does he come back in and replace Lalana, Or 
does Deserby just kind of go with what worked in the last matchup? Um, I mean, it wasn't like an all too convincing three, two win against wolves. Um, but I mean, Lalana played well. I wouldn't mind riding him out here as like a mid four. I mean, you could do a lot worse in a team that's going to, you know, they're going to control the ball. You know, they're going to create, um, chances. And if Lalana's your mid four or five, I mean, I don't see much more upside in that spot. Yeah, I just think he's a bit, I mean, he got like 22.5 last week with a goal and an assist. So since he's averaging like 65 minutes a game or so when he does start, uh, I mean, there's he's just not doing a lot on the field. He's getting up there in age. I, I wouldn't be excited about starting him, uh, but I can see starting him as... I can't get behind mid three, but I can see where someone would want to start him as like a mid four because it is a decent matchup. Um, it should be a pretty industrious box to box game with these two teams. Could be could be some goals in this one, although the over under is still at two point five, so it's not necessarily projected. Um, I I don't think I would do it though. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just think that the Villa blip that we saw against United the new manager bounce I don't know if that's going to be sustainable um, I think this is a team that is capable of giving up points so I don't know who knows if he even starts because if Welbeck's back he probably gets the nod um, I see that you did propose a question here of are you dropping Welbeck what who are you? I mean, what has he done recently? I agree, but the I guess he's been hurt, but like the he's forward one of the landscape least potent attackers. Yeah, I mean, we just talk about the forward landscape so much, and if you can have a forward who's going to start in a team that you know is going to create chances, it's hard to go for someone like I don't know, Kiefer Moore. Like, yeah, the dude has aerial potential, but Bournemouth just don't score well. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I would be comfortable. Trade him out, but I mean, he's not projected to start this next game. It looks like it's going to be Trossard probably, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think you want a forward that. I mean, he has has he scored a goal this season? I don't think he has. I don't think so. So I just feel like this might be a case of real-life performance not matching up with fantasy expectations. Like, he scored well beginning of the season for sure. He's like a bat out of hell the first couple of games, I know. Well, if you count 19, 4.5, 11, and 5.5, a bat out of hell. Uh, <laughs> then sure, but, <laughs> I mean, since then, what is he's got 7.8 points points per game and he's only missed like one start so you know figure he's averaging a little over eight points per game that's not it's not really getting it done i'm starting a midfielder over him if i can pretty much any game um but i understand if you're screwed attacking wise and you really need him keep him yeah. i think he might be over owned at 71 percent. i i'm not understanding the hype he's a guy that 
we kind of know all too well throughout the years is not of the Premier League caliber. And I just, I don't know. I, I guess I'm on an island on this one, but I just don't, I don't no, think he's the solution long term. I would and, tend to agree. I think that his roster percentage at 71 is a little too high, but I mean, there are uh, arguments to be made why you should keep him, but I mean, he's ghosting at like 6.2 points. I don't think he's really been fully integrated into this Deserby team. I think he got injured and has missed, what, two or three, four of the last games or something. Um, so there's still time. I would hold him through the World Cup if I owned him, see how things shake out in January, or, well, the one game, two games in December, and then going into January. But... Uh, I would be comfortable if at that point he's still playing at that same level. You could honestly use that roster spot to stream forwards. You don't necessarily have to keep Welbeck at 6.2 because you could stream Jordan right. IU any day of the week, and he's at 6.2 as well. Like for example, Passendaka is at 50%, and I know you, know you look at his fantasy returns and they might not scream a guy you need to hold on to, but... He's a guy still getting his footing, and at least he brings youth. And, um, you know, I, I feel like he's a guy who should see more starts in the future. Has been generally effective when he plays. I believe he's already got three or four goals on the season. Yeah, three goals and an assist on the season. So I, he seems like a guy that I'd much rather hold than Welbeck, and he's only at 50%. So mm. I. I feel like there might be better options in most 12-man leagues than Welbeck, um, whether via forward or midfield. But if he's like your second of two attackers in your team, I understand holding him. Yeah. Now, as anyway, far as this... Too much time on Welbeck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as far as this Villa side goes, um, are you interested in the Villa forwards moving forward? Um or was this game against United just kind of a United were bad, Villa had a good manager bounce, they really wanted to play well in front of the home crowd, kind of turn things around? Uh, or is it, hey, let's see what happens against Brighton, who's a decent side, and then kind of go from there? Boy, I mean, it, it's looking really tough to project this Villa team when they go out and win 4 nothing at Brentford, lose 4 nothing at Newcastle, and then win 3-1 pretty dominantly at Man United. <laughs> yeah. The pattern would say that they're going to lose 3-1 to to Brighton. But, <laughs> they're uh, going to lose handedly. <laughs> <laughs> so, all jokes aside, uh, they should compete with Brighton more than they did with Newcastle. I consider Newcastle like a top, definitely a top four or five team now. Uh, you mm -hmm. could argue they're really, I mean, I know they're, I'm pretty sure they're third on the table, but you could argue that they truly are a top three team in the Premier League now, um, given how weak some of the other teams have looked. But, uh, yeah, in this matchup, they're definitely stronger starts, the, the Villa Fours, that is. I'd start all four of those. Uh, front four in the four two three one, but I'm holding off on the Villa CDMs. Uh, Douglas Deleuze is playing. I, I could see starting him maybe since he takes some of the sets, but I'm not looking at Dendonker or Kamara if they're playing. And then any of the defenders, 
Uh, I'm fine with the wing backs, but not the center backs yet. I we haven't seen enough from them to feel confident. And uh, you're just really gonna catch me recommending Tyrone Mings as a start because I really think he's just, uh, you know, Villa's version of Harry Maguire. <laughs> I would agree. I, I mean, it's it's interesting if you look at the fan track scores from the Villa United game, you would think that the Villa players were like out of this world scoring wise, but really outside of Ramsey's 22 and a half, Bailey had 16. The rest of the team was just subpar. I mean, Digne had 11.75 and he had a goal. So what did he, what did he ghost? Like two points maybe. And then Ali Watkins, eight, everyone else below six. So I don't know. I think I just need to see more from this side. Uh, They are kind of like a stop and start team. When they're good, they're really good. But when they're bad, they ship three to four goals. So I don't know. I'm not fully back on board the hype train. I know we all bailed on this train a while ago, but... I'm just going to need to see a little bit more on how uh, Emery sets this team up and who's going to officially start and what roles and kind of just go from there. Right, right. All right, let's wrap this one up. I know this episode has been a little bit longer than we're used to, but, I mean, hey, it's the last one before we end it for about a month, so got to go out with a bang. Uh, Fulham here hosting Manchester United. Uh, United is favored by 0.5 goals with an over-under of three. Uh, looks like Fulham, are they going to be without Harry Wilson? We haven't really heard yet, but he limped off last week. Mitrovic, it looks like he'll be out. Tete is suspended. Um, with Mitrovic out, are you still going to play anybody from this Fulham team? Because they look kind of night and day when he plays versus doesn't play. Yeah, it makes, it makes everyone less exciting. It's kind of like the Holland effect I cited earlier with Grealish. Uh, I think he is going to make everybody around him more valuable. Uh, I think you're probably still st- sticking with the Flames and Andreas Pereira and Willian. Uh, but like I said, they're going to definitely take a, a hit here without their talisman. So just bake that into your team's upside maybe uh i could also see with some of these players missing just looking through the fulham roster i could see tom Kearney sneaking into the team um and he could be maybe your uh he could be your last chance last chance wilson guy (laughs) um as a mid four see where he lines up it'd be cool if he was like a cam and then Pereira slides out for where Harry Wilson was and uh, where Niskin's Cabano used to be. Uh, but yeah, Fulham's definitely looking a bit thin, so I am not looking at them as a, a strong team this week uh, against Man U. I'm kind of thinking that Man U wins this one by a goal or two. Mm-hmm. But Ronaldo, um, not Ronaldo, he is Man U, in Man U in some ways, but uh, <laughs> Man U are missing some some guys this week too potentially so it could just be a matter of who starts this week uh in terms of how this how this game turns out 
I know Sancho mm-hmm. is questionable. I haven't seen if Anthony's out yet. Um, I know Ronaldo is ill, missed out today. You have so Dallow suspended. We shall see. Yeah. I mean, I know that Fulham isn't playing City away again, but their non-penalty XG, I mean, outside of that Cancelo red card penalty, their non-penalty XG was 0.2 in that matchup without Mitrovic. They just don't really have an outlet up top. They don't get the ball forward. Obviously, they're going to have a little bit more possession in this matchup because they aren't playing City. But I think with the quality that Manchester United has, they're playing relatively well lately. I think they kind of just coast through this game. Um, They probably won't be put under pressure that much. Um yeah, as far as the United side goes, with Dallow suspended, it looks like, is it Malasia is probably going to take that spot? Or is he going to play left back and Shaw moves over? How's that going to work? Uh, projected right now would be Malasia right back by most of our sources. So uh, I wouldn't bank on it, but there's a chance that, you know, if you have him, you could just – Make sure you check the lineup at an hour before and snag whoever it ends up being at right back, even mm-hmm. if it ends up being someone like Lindelof. Blech. Yeah, um, that's the difficult part of this one is it's the last game in the game or week, and mm-hmm. I would really like to start whoever starts at that right back spot, but I don't want to wait until then. So it's, it's kind of a catch the risk, too. Objectively, of I think so to too. Lindelof. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you're starting anybody that starts in this Manchester United side. I think everyone's viable. Uh, I would expect them to keep a clean sheet in this one. Um, Let's say you jump over to the starts of the week. Yeah, let's do it. So at defender this week, I've only got one per position because I'm not super enthralled by anyone, actually. Um, But I got Nathan Patterson, the king himself. (laughs) He got some minutes last game. He should come in and start, uh, and Everton have a pretty solid matchup against Bournemouth this week, who, like I've said, uh, I think are a balloon just waiting to pop. They are outperforming their XG like crazy. They have no business being where they are next to Arsenal and City in that category. Um, they are totally fake. Uh, albeit better than maybe some people have expected coming into the season. Um, I see Patterson coming back from injury here and getting more involved. He's a grinder, and I think he should uh, score okay with having a little bit of clean sheet upside. He's more of like a defender three, but I bet you can get him in most of your leagues. Mm -hmm. I think... I mean, I am in total agreement. I just went on the opposite side of the Everton defense here with Mikolenko. Uh, I, again, agree with your standpoint on this Everton defense going up against this Bournemouth side. I like the upside of the clean sheet here. I think Patterson is your streamer. Uh, I think he's around 30-ish percent owned, whereas Mikolenko's in the 70 range. I just think... Mikolenko has that he ghosts a little bit better, has a little bit more upside, uh, probably at a two or three point difference. 
but yeah, I agree with you in the Everton defense assessment. Uh, jumping over to the midfielders here, I actually have uh, Ivan Perisic as my midfielder of the week. I think he's got a great matchup going up against Leeds. If he does get the start, I think Sessegnon came off a little injured in that matchup against uh, Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup, so we could see Perisic start in this one. Um, he does take some sets. He'll have quite a bit of room to get forward. We know how Leeds likes to press, so once they beat that, he should have uh, a good afternoon. He should be able to ghost relatively well, and hopefully he gets on the end of a scoring chance here. Yeah, for sure. He looked really good last week against Liverpool, admittedly. Um, he had me petrified on multiple occasions. <laughs> um, and with that, I actually have a Liverpool guy who I shouted out earlier, Harvey Elliott. Uh, I think is shaping up to be a pivotal guy in the Liverpool midfield. Like I've said many times, he's one of our most creative. And let's hope that he can go somewhere near 80 minutes uh, in their uh, plus matchup this week. I think he could uh, do pretty well against Southampton. And maybe he bags a goal. Yeah, that'd be ideal. Uh, as far as attackers go... I've flipped over from the Spurs side to the lead side. I'm going to go with Rodrigo in this one. Um, I think he's been playing really well. I think he leads that line well for Leeds. He embodies everything that team's about. He is a relentless sprinter. He's scrappy amongst the goals. Uh, kind of always around for that rebound. Uh, so I, I just I don't have a whole lot of faith in this Spurs defense right now. Uh, this break... Couldn't come at a better time. Uh, I think they need to win this game. They're in top four in the Premier League. They're on to the knockout stages of Champions League. Uh, they haven't looked great, but let's just take a break, kind of reset when they get back. But I'm still looking at Leeds to get something from this match. Um, I don't know if they'll end up with a tie or a win, but I still see them getting at least a goal or two. What is up with you in these hedge forward plays? Nunez <laughs> last week, and now we've got Rodrigo. Are you even a Tottenham fan? What's what's going on here? I am a realistic Tottenham fan. I know there's not many of us, but I see the writing on the wall. All right, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it. It looks like you're the one writing on the wall right now. <laughs> Probably. Uh, man. Okay. Well, I've got uh, Skamaka this week, who, uh, like I said, should do better with the presence of Paqueta. Uh, I think I'm taking advantage a little bit of that injury on the Leicester side. I, I believe they'll be a bit more susceptible to him. Uh, I know they've been defending much better from uh, from set pieces. With the addition of Outface, uh, we'll see if Johnny Evans slides back into that center back slot, uh, who I don't think is very good. I don't know why he plays. Um, <laughs> regardless, uh, I think he's a pretty good start and a good bet to get a goal this week, uh, at least as, as good as you could expect from somebody in the forward two category. I like it. Let's round it off here with some listener questions. 
Uh, first one here we've got from at Prash underscore CFC. Any players you are looking to trade in during the World Cup break? Uh, I know I've touched on one here in James Ward-Prowse, but do you have anybody in mind that you're going to look at targeting during the World Cup break? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned him earlier, Grealish. I think he's, I think, I laid out all the reasons why he's going to be better with Holland than without, shocker. Um, Should see some more starts going forward. I think he was injured for a little bit. Uh, You know, we'll we'll see. He's got to take a chance, and I think people will give him away for pretty close to cheap, uh, judging by some of the reactions I've gotten from my stance on that. Um, you know, so if, if people are that low on him, take advantage. Uh, I wouldn't trade the world for him, but I'm trying to think of something that could get get you across the line. Uh, maybe you could <laughs> toss in your Aubameyang or something and turn him into a Grealish somehow. <laughs> but you know that'd be magical. Um, yeah, it would. Any but any guy in City I can grab. I think there's some frustration maybe with some of those City assets um, recently. But yeah, he he's my top guy to trade trade in for during this world cup break if he can he should start i think for england um if not he should get some decent minutes would you (sighs) look at trying to trade in jared bowen that's a good one uh yes we won't be playing in the world cup i don't think i don't think he made the squad no he did um yeah that's unfortunate not surprising though um yeah, he's probably a decent trade-in candidate. I haven't looked through his numbers recently to see how much chance creation he's really gotten for that team. Um, it definitely hurts when you've got Paqueta in that squad who's going to take away a lot of that opportunity that he has. Because uh, before he was kind of operating, at least when he was kind of in his prime, he was operating similar to like how Grealish was in his Villa days. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little less so. Um so yeah, every every talented player you kind of add in there takes away some of that sweet sweet volume that he's going to see in the attack. Uh, but I think yeah, he's he's a fair shot as as a trading candidate. Who do you think you'd be uh, trading out to get him in? That's the tough part, is because yeah, I mean, his trade value is probably relatively low, but I think if you're trying to entice the owner to trade him out. You're going to have to try get a little sweet with the deal. You might have to either do a two for one or, I mean, you could try package together a midfield three and a defender three and get him. But I would think you'd kind of have to go along the lines of a midfielder who's playing well now who you think is going to regress to try and bring in Jared Bowen let's like let's say I know he's not playing relatively well right now but he's at least started the season well let's say you have Jack Harrison would you trade him out to get Jared Bowen 100% yeah because at least I know that Bowen's got a spot in that squad Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess just after looking at some of the players who I think maybe are outperforming expectation I mean one that comes to mind, which I don't think is going to – it definitely won't get you across the line, but you could toss him in there is Marcus Tavernier, who's been doing really well lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys like him, uh, Hoiberg, uh, Bruno Gimmerich, 
it's probably about it. Those those guys I'd look at as potential regression candidates. I mean, you've got your favorite Ruben Neves. If you could turn oh, him into something valuable, I'd love that. But guys like guys like actually Chaka and Rice, I I think I actually probably prefer some of their stability over Bowen, but it obviously depends what your roster makeup is. Um, yeah, guys like Awobi, I like him better. Bentancourt, I like him better. So I think that sweet spot you're looking for, like I said, is Tavernier, Bruno, Gimmerich, Hoiberg, um, Morgan Gibbs-White, if you can get someone to buy into that performance he had last week, but I doubt it. Yeah. Um, those are the guys you, you definitely try and ship out because we've seen it from Bone before, which is one of the things that I really like to harp on when trading guy in. I'd like to have seen seen him perform at the level I'm expecting before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Something to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, f- we have another question here from at Fundalda. You dropping Coutinho or waiting to see if he's in Emery's plans? Uh, Coutinho's injured now. It looks like it's a somewhat longer term injury. He's definitely going to obviously miss the World Cup, but um, it looks like he could be out even until sometime in January. I don't know if that's going to be mid-January, end January, or possibly even later. They really haven't really set a timetable on it. But would you drop him knowing that, A, he may not even start when he comes back, and B, he's going to be injured for, I mean, not that there's any games going on now, but for the first, I don't know, half of January? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. Um, I think I'm probably going to hold until the end of the World Cup break, see if there's any updates on his status. Uh, And then depending on that, I I would think about dropping him because realistically I'm looking at waivers and I know there's some guys we're looking at as potential ads as prospects, but uh, man, I... There's no one I really love on waivers enough to drop Coutinho. Not that he's that great of a player, um, but he did do pretty well last season in his chances. And the new manager effect is real. We haven't even seen if he's, like like the question alludes, we haven't even seen if he's in Emery's plans because of this injury that mm-hmm. unfortunately struck him at such a poor time. Uh, so, I don't know. You could go either way. If you really need the spot, I think you could drop him, and and that's probably what it's going to depend on more so than him as a player. I think circumstances taking over for me on this one. Like if I need if I need to drop him to field an eleven, or if there's a streamer I really like out there, yeah, totally go for it. Um, they're going to do more for you in the short term, and and that's probably more important than waiting till mid January, late January for Coutinho to return to the potential to potentially return to the squad like that you're not even getting him in the starting lineup when he comes back yeah would you drop Coutinho to free up a roster spot to be able to pick up someone like a Christian Pulisic who you're going to keep an eye on during the World Cup if he starts to play well you're going to snatch him up as soon as possible no uh I wouldn't and it's less so it's less so something against Pulisic and more so against, I think Chelsea just suck. Um, <laughs> so I mean, not using Pulisic like 
himself as yeah, an example, okay, but okay. more so like freeing up that roster spot to pick up anybody who's playing well in the World Cup. Yeah. Like, do you like, want to have depends. that flexibility? I just, I don't know about your waivers, but I'm looking at mine. And I'm not loving anything. The one that I'm thinking about. No, is, mine are terrible. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Everyone's like, injured. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's like Fofana, who's like, okay, but Chelsea suck. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like I said, I went back the past 30 days, and there's, like, nobody over eight points per game on that team other than Kappa. So I'm out on them. I guess I don't really see a ton of guys that I'm banking on getting some sort of new role after the World Cup. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's – I mean, like, Neto, for instance, is a guy that I've seen a couple people pick up he's another guy i don't think is going to come back until january um so i i, I guess is there like a guy other than uh like pulisic who you're thinking of i'm really not i haven't really looked a whole lot into it again it's going to depend on a who is on who's available on waivers right, right now and I mean, B, I don't really have the roster structure right now to move pieces around too much. I mean, my roster is relatively good right now. I'm sitting at mm-hmm. 12 and 2 for the season. So it's it's kind of hard to move too much around. Um, there are some trades that I'm, I'm going to be looking at, but um, those trade targets may change based on the World Cup. So we'll kind of see on that one. Yeah, yeah. Like for instance, I'm thinking about dropping him this week for Harvey Elliott. I'm probably probably gonna do that if it comes down to it, and there's no one else I could drop. Dropping who? But uh, Coutinho, that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's round this off. We've got our last question here from at Raw Sparkly. Love the name. Do you think it's a viable strategy to trade players out ahead of the World Cup, especially if they have a good game week 16 fixture to make the deal sweeter and bring in players who are currently injured, but will be spending those weeks getting ready for the restart? As an example, I just traded out Martinelli and Mares for Diaz, which I'm pretty happy about. There's no telling what might happen to some of the big guns over the next month as almost feels a safer bet to get the players who have their sights set on game week 17. So I know that was a little bit of a mouthful, but are you looking to trade out players ahead of the world cup? So like this week to bring in somebody. So you're going to trade out a player now that has a relatively decent game week 16 fixture to bring in a player who has a little bit better outlook rest of season. Yeah. I mean, I love how Ross Barkley is zigging while everyone else is zagging right now. I'm looking (laughs) to get guys in game week 17. That's that's fantastic stuff. Uh, I love that trade. Martinelli and Mares for Diaz. Uh, Mares is like a pot sweetener for me now. Obviously you could come back and you could eat your words, but, uh, yeah, Diaz is a is a great guy to get in right now if you can. Um, you're really not gonna. I don't. He might be. Is he gonna be back after the break? I, I honestly haven't looked at his timetable at all. Yeah, I, I know he's coming back soon. So even if he came back a couple weeks later, uh, yeah, it got him projected for December 26th on Fan Tracks, and they're never wrong. So, uh, 
<laughs> I think that's a yeah, I think that's a great trade. But to to the larger point, uh, I I think it all depends on the player. Like like what you got there, that's a fantastic deal. Um, but in general, I mean, you're getting you're getting several weeks of uh, free gameplay to see if your guy can establish himself on a World Cup scope. And how many players have we seen come out of a World Cup as uh, I don't know the top scorer like. Like, uh, case in point, I guess, is James Rodriguez wasn't super relevant before, uh, I believe it was the 20, 2014 World Cup, I want to yeah. say, 2010 World Cup, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't super relevant before that. I think he played at Monaco, but immediately transferred to Real Madrid just on the basis of being insane at the World Cup. So if a guy is playing in the World Cup, they always have the chance of uh, coming into their, you know, club's good graces, which is, is something you're not going to get often. So, like you mentioned with Pulisic, if I like Chelsea better, I'd probably like that move better. Um, but, yeah, this is – I mean, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like, you can look to do deals like this, but also uh, try and get a couple of guys on your bench who are your moonshots, maybe. Um, just try and take advantage of it. At least take advantage of it in some way and mm-hmm. uh, don't hold too much deadwood. Yeah, I would probably have to do more research into players that are injured – who are scheduled to come back in January to give you a better outlook on like players I would look to target as far as trade aspect goes. Um, On the flip side, I'm never really one to skip a game week because I mean, obviously I'm always looking to win every game week. I don't really want to give up game week 16 to try and get a potential player that is possibly coming back for boxing day or early January um, for like a rest of season. That's just not how I personally play the game. Um, I'm more of a win now type person. Um, But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind making some trades during the world cup uh, for players that, I mean, if they start to play well, like you said, you're keeping an eye on them. They have a good World Cup. And then you look at kind of their fixture list for the first few weeks back from the break, and it looks really good. Yeah, I'm more than willing to make the trade there. But Yep, I concur with all that. All righty. Well, I think that's going to wrap everything up. Um, I appreciate everybody hanging in there with us. I know this was a longer episode, but uh, I think we... We had a little bit of fun with this one. I enjoyed getting this all out there before we take a break here for a little while. Uh, just because it's the World Cup break doesn't mean we won't be active. Um, we're coming up with some ideas to stay active during the World Cup. I know I've already created a um, World Cup fantasy league, so I will keep sharing that on Twitter. I'll probably pin a tweet to the Premier League on tap. Uh, profile so if you guys do want to join that league come on in it's a free league just for fun see who knows their shit who doesn't Um, keep things interesting during the world cup but uh, we've got some exciting things ahead we're excited to share them with you and we're just building for the future again i appreciate you guys for sticking with us since we started this this year uh, the response has been great. We love the listener feedback, the questions. If you ever have anything to ask, anything to tell us, say, hey, we love the show. Hey, we hate you guys. You suck. 
uh, DM us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, seriously. Don't hold back. We, uh, we'd love to hear any and all feedback that you guys have. Uh, we really appreciate it. The support's been fantastic. With that, we will sign off. Have an amazing World Cup break. Enjoy the holidays, guys. Take some time away from the game. But, uh, hey, keep your finger on the pulse because we'll be around. Take it easy. Cheers.